What a joy and a blessing to be with you this morning. I would not have changed anything that has happened over the last two weeks. I'm very glad that uh, I was gone. As you may know, before uh, moving here, I was going to Africa three times a year. So the last trip that I made was February of 2022 before we moved here last summer. So it had been almost a year and a half uh, since I had been there, and it was so wonderful to uh, reacquaint with my brothers and my sisters there um, that I have done so much work with over the last almost 10 years. Um, Scott and I are going to do a a full-blown report next Sunday. Uh, We really needed more than one day. Uh, We just got back Friday afternoon. We needed more than one day to coordinate and kind of put together some pictures and and some stories that we want to share with you. So we're going to do that next Sunday uh, in a big way. So everybody's got to come back and bring a friend and hear the stories. Uh, We had some some fantastic experiences. And I just want to tell you, um, you should be very proud of your shepherd, uh, Scott Furtick. He is, uh, he took to this work like, like a duck to water like a chicken on a June bug, <laughs> like stink on a skunk. I mean, this guy, he, um, he hit the ground running and just had um, a wonderful experience. I introduced him as, as one of my elders. I said, this is one of my, one of my elders, Scott. And so all the, the Ghanaians that were there for the next two weeks, he was known as elder or bishop. I don't even know if they remembered his name. But they, they would say, you're bishop, you know, you're, you're elder. And that was, I thought, was really neat. So we're going we're gonna to share some more of that next week with you. I do want you to know that we planted 48 new churches, 48 villages uh, that never had uh, a church there, now have uh, the Church of Christ that is meeting in that place. Uh, last Sunday, the last two Sundays, we were able to, to worship with folks that were some worshiping for the very first time, having to share with them and explain to them what this Lord's Supper stuff is all about. Why do we do this? What do these things mean? And that's always such a special and sweet thing uh, to be able to do. Uh, 48 new churches, if I remember correctly, 1,813 souls baptized into Christ. Isn't that amazing? Over 1,800 uh, new Uh, baby Christians there in Togo. And what's going to happen, and this is the way it happens every trip, for the next several weeks and months after we come back home, after we've made this big push, there will be many more baptisms. I guess there will probably be several hundred more come to Christ because those, some many that were listening, that heard, uh, they didn't just jump off and jump into, and they wanted to kind of see some things. And so Uh, Over the next several weeks and months, many, many more of them uh, will come to faith in Christ. So thank you for praying for us, uh, for uh, taking us before the Father. We we felt your prayers, and they definitely helped us as we we were on our mission. The last two weeks, we have been asking people to put their faith in Jesus Christ, to accept him, to trust him, to put their faith in him. So what does that really mean? What does it mean to put your faith in Jesus? 
putting our faith in Jesus. Everybody places their faith in something. We all put our faith in something. Somebody says, well, I don't have any faith. Well, we, we all have faith in something. We have faith, uh, sometimes we have faith in our country. Um, I would encourage you not to put too much faith in your country or its leaders. We have faith when we uh, go out into the garage and we get into our car and start the engine. We have faith that it's going to start. I had a, a car in high school that there were times uh, it drove me more to prayer than it did faith. My prayer life had greatly increased. Oh, Lord, please let this car start today. But for the most part, we have faith. We have faith in, in many, many things. But none of those types of faith bring us into a right relationship with God. Only faith in Jesus is able to do that. Those types of faith cannot fix the huge problem we have, and that is the problem that we have been separated from God by our sins. That's the big problem that mankind has. Placing our faith in Jesus means that we commit to him, that we trust him and that we follow him. To commit to something is is a very serious word. What we're saying is, is I'm going to commit to following Jesus from now on for the rest of my life. Many of the villages that I went to visit, I would almost always end by telling them, this is a serious thing that we're talking about today. This is, I'm asking you to make a serious commitment to following Jesus. And I tell them that there's a song that we sing back in my country. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I even learned uh, a couple of trips ago, I, I learned that, uh, I taught it to one of the guys when he was speaking, um, Kakumba. And so I said, I want, to, I want to learn a song in your language. And so I taught him those words, and then he taught me how to sing it. And so everywhere I would go when, we were, when they were speaking that language, I would sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's what it means to put your faith in Jesus, to make a commitment that is so serious that you will follow him and that you will not turn back. You're committing to following him on good days and also on bad days. You're committing to following Jesus when you feel so close to him, when the song just, you know, gives you goosebumps, and you're committed to following him when you don't feel that at all. You know, I'm, I'm afraid that there are those in our world today who have, have fallen in love with, with the worship experience the music that sounds so wonderful, and, 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 and listen, nobody loves music more than I do. I mean, I love, I love the songs. I love it when, I started to say when the hair stands up, when, when I get goosebumps, you know, I, I love those feelings, but sometimes we don't feel like that. Sometimes we, we say, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why did you not answer this? Why did you not let... You know, we, we are committing to following Christ even when we don't feel like it, 
even when we don't get those warm fuzzies. That's what it means to place our faith in Jesus, to commit to him. We're placing our faith in Jesus, and that means that we are committing to trust him and to follow him as our Savior. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, you remember the angels came and they, they said, you know, we bring you great news, great joy, these tidings. Because in the city of David, unto you, a teacher is born. Is that what they said? We bring you great news, great joy, because in the city of David, a philosopher has been born. What, what does the word say? A Savior. Unto you, a Savior is born. Why do we need a Savior? What does a Savior do? What's the definition of a Savior? Someone who saves you, right? Someone who saves you from something. Someone who rescues you from peril or danger. One of the most favorite songs that people loved from back in my traveling days was a song simply called Rescue. You come to my rescue. Well, why do we need rescuing? Why do we need saving? That's part of the big job that we have when we, when we go to Africa is telling people that there is something that you need saving from. And what is that? Well, our sin has separated us from God. God is pure and he's holy and he's righteous. And God cannot have a relationship with wicked, sinful people. So you and I have a problem because the Bible says we all have sinned, every one of us. And we've fallen short of his glory. See, God, when, when God said, let's make man in our very own image, and then he scooped down and out of the dust of the earth, he formed a man, and then it says, he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. See, God made man in his very own image, and at that point, man was supposed to reflect back God's glory. He was supposed to live in such a way that it would bring God glory. So when we sin, when you and I sin, literally, the word sin means to miss the mark. When, when you and I sin, when we tell a lie, when we, when we have a thought that we shouldn't, when we linger a little too long over this or whatever, we've missed the mark. It's not just that we've done something wrong. It's that we've missed the mark. What is the mark? It's for me to bring glory to God. And, I've not, and I'm not doing that when I sin. So placing our faith in Jesus means that we are making a commitment, no turning back, to follow him as our savior because he saved us from something that no one else could save us from and that was our sins. We place our faith in Jesus and that means that we commit to trust him, to follow him as our savior but also as our Lord. Romans 10, right before our reading this morning, beginning in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The word Lord simply means master. It means that we have a master. So if Jesus is our master, if he is our Lord, then he gets to tell us what to do, and he gets to tell us when to do it, and then you and I are supposed to say, yes, Lord. Simple as that. He has all authority, and so he gets to say how we live, where we go, how we spend our time, where we spend our money, because he's our Lord. He is our master. That's not something that we are really comfortable with at times. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, how to live. I spend my money, I've worked hard for this money, I can spend it where I want to. But when we're committing, when we're having faith in Jesus, we're committing to following him as Savior, but also as our Lord. That brings him glory. Placing our faith in Jesus means that we not only commit to follow him as our Savior and as our Lord, but as our King. Jesus is our King. I love what Rob shared with us this morning um, at the Lord's table. Not long before his crucifixion, Jesus was accused of claiming that he was a king. And so when they brought him before Pilate, before the Roman governor, Pilate asks him, point blank, he says, are you a king? This is, this is what people are saying, are you a king? And what did Jesus say? Yes. Yes, it is as you say. But then he said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, that was the big problem. All those who were looking for the Messiah were thinking that it was going to be an earthly kingdom. That this new Messiah, this Christ, this anointed one, was going to come and restore Israel to its prominent, prominent um, position where it had been in the past. And so he's going to be a new David, just like David, and throw off all these shackles of this Roman oppression. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus said, my yes, I am a king, but my kingdom's not of this world. Not of this world. You know, I've, I, I used to think that Jesus is our Savior, but oftentimes he's not our king because we don't obey him in everything. But the reality is literally Jesus is your king, whether you acknowledge that or not. Jesus is the king of the atheist who's never set foot in a, in a church building. They just are living in rebellion to their king. You and I can be the same. You see, I think we love the blessings of having a savior, but we don't like the burdens of having a king. Did you hear me? We love everything about having a savior. He saves us from our sin. He's taken our sins away. We love that, and we love the promises. I shared the promises with, with so many people over the last two weeks in Togo that when you 
put your faith in Jesus, when, when you come to him and you trust that he died on the cross to save you and that through faith you're buried with him in baptism, there's a whole host of promises that God has made to you, not least of which is that when you die, he's going to take you home to heaven. What a beautiful, sweet promise that is. He also promises to place you in a church, in a family, where you have brothers and you have sisters that will love you, that will take care of you, that will pray with you, that will encourage you, spur you on to love and to good works. There's so many promises that we have when we come to Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as our Savior. But I think all too often we love the blessings of the Savior, but not the burdens of having a king. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. You know why? Because he's king of kings, the son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, even now reigning, king of the universe. Whether we acknowledge that or not, he is our king. And he is the king of every man and woman that have ever lived or ever will live. You and I have two problems. We have two problems. The first problem is we have the problem of sin. The second problem is it's the problem of this thing called death. Rob highlighted that as well this morning. I'd invite you to the Hebrew letter, chapter 2. This is what it says about Jesus. Hebrews 2, beginning in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. You and I have flesh and blood. You and I are clothed with flesh and blood. And because of that, Jesus had to share in our humanity. Why? So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Look at verse 15. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You and I have got a problem. Our sin has separated us from our God. Isaiah said that many, many years ago. Sin is what separates us from God. The problem is we've all sinned. <laughs> so we've all been separated. So we have a problem. But this fear of death, it's, it's enslaved us because sin is what brought death into our world. Just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and it brought death because why? Because all have sinned. We've all sinned. And so death has entered our world. But Jesus came that we would have life, life eternal. Man has two problems. We have a sin problem and we have a fear of death. Jesus took care of both of those. When Jesus died on the cross, he took care of the sin problem. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When Jesus died on the cross, he took away the problem of sin. But what about the problem of death? 
We still had the problem of death. Praise God, it didn't take but three days. Didn't take but three days in the tomb, and then he took care of that problem. Once and for all. Never to die again. So even though you and I are going to die, if this world keeps spinning, some of us are closer than others. Some of us are closer than maybe even we think. Death comes to everyone. But there's no fear anymore. Because we have one who's been through it and came out on the other side. That's what it means to place your faith in Jesus. To commit to him. No turning back. To follow him wherever he leads. To acknowledge him as Savior, as Lord, and as King of Kings. That's the message that we shared for the last two weeks. It's the simple message that that we need to hear over and over and over again. An old preacher said years ago, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Be reminded that you're a sinner, that we have such a great Savior, a great Lord, and a great King. Let's bow and pray. Our God, our Father, we love you. Father, we're so grateful that we have a Savior one who has given his life to take away our sins. Father, how could we say thank you? Just even those words seem so hollow. Thank you, Lord. Father, help us to live. Help us to live our lives in a way that would say thank you every day. To love those that you would love, to have compassion on those that you would have compassion Father, help us to engage with our community, our world, not to, not to think about what it's going to cost me, my time, my money. I don't want to get involved, but, but just to do it, Father, because it brings you glory. And maybe it'll bring someone to Christ. Father, we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, not a president. Jesus alone is Lord. And Father, we know that he is the King of kings. There is none like him in heaven or earth below. And Father, we bow before him this morning, acknowledging that he is the one and only Son of God. Thank you. And we pray in his strong name. Amen.